Hello, this is Kim Rajita. This is podcast two involving Syria and ISIS. ISIS emerged from the remnants of Al-Qaeda in Iraq around 2004. This was following the U.S.-led invasion to topple Saddam Hussein's reign. ISIS at the time was led by Abu Musab al-Zakari. He became a critical force in the anti-American insurgency and sectarian war that began to unfold in 2004. ISIS was made up of locals. ISIS began to fizzle out rather quickly, only to resurface in 2011. The growing instability and strife in Syria with its civil war allowed ISIS to grow and become even stronger. Some general information about Syria and ISIS was that Syria was a hotbed for any upcoming and rising actors of terrorism. Believing the Western influence was taking away from their Islamic roots of the region. The group implements Sharia law rooted in their 18th century Islam, and they wish to establish a society that mirrored their ancient past of Islam. ISIS is known for their public executions, crucifixions, beheadings, and acts of terror against any who oppose their teachings and their viewpoints. ISIS uses reactionary politics, which is to say they use extremes to oppose political change or to enact political change. ISIS uses this in trying to enact political change into becoming more Islamic state. In 2014, at the peak of ISIS, They controlled more than 34,000 square miles in Syria and in Iraq. This went from the Mediterranean all the way inland. At the time, ISIS had 3,500 people estimated as slaves. They took these slaves when they took over the 3,400 square miles. ISIS's revenue to get their guns, their supplies to fight Iraq and the U.S. and other countries came from the oil production in the area, smuggling, taking taxes, ransoms from their kidnappings, and they controlled the economy through food supplies and farming in the areas. The timeline of pertinent events, you could say, begins in about 2011, where their leader, Baghdadi, sends operatives to Syria. Abu Imam al-Juwani becomes the new leader of the Nusra Front in 2012. Now, the Nusra Front was a Syrian jihadist who now claimed to be ISIS. They were no longer known as Syrian jihadist or Nusra. In 2014, Iris kidnaps over 140 
Kurdish schoolboys in Syria, gaining national attention. They forced them to take lessons in radical Islamic theology, weaponry, and to become more an Islamic person or religion. In 2014, ISIS also takes control of Mosul and Tikrit and places over 1 million Iraqis. This becomes very important in the humanitarian understanding of what was going on. In 14, the Iraqi Kurdistan restricts border crossings into the region for refugees. This leads to ISIS announcing the creation of Caliphate, the Islamic State, the actual IS, that erases all state borders, which made Baghdadi the self-declared authority over the world's estimated 1.5 billion Muslims. ISIS also announces the change of its name from ISIS to the Islamic State, or ISIL. In 2014, the above led to, or excuse me, the previous led to the Pentagon announcing the United States will send an additional 300 troops to Iraq, raising the total U.S. forces in Iraq to nearly about 800 troops. Military advisors are sent to Iraq as well to support the Iraqi security forces and help protect the U.S. Embassy and the airports in Baghdad. The rest of 2014 is just filled with instances after instances of ISIS taking control and a reign of terror, so to say. In this time period, you saw beheadings, you saw James Foley, you saw Sothloff, David Haynes, Peter Kasich, all violently beheaded or killed while putting it on American media. As such as Facebook and things from ISIS. The US, con US during this time period also continues its strikes, its airstrikes, and beginning of its drone strikes. In 2015 to 2016, we see a continuation from ISIS with kidnappings, beheadings, they burned people in cages. Um, it was a very turmoilish, very deadly time period. Um, especially we saw the Americans and the Christians who became under attack. So Christians in the West were very against all Islamic um, teachings and that's who they felt were perpetrators the most and who they went after. The U.S. State Department issued an annual terrorism report at this time declaring that ISIS had become a greater threat than Al-Qaeda ever was. That's very important. The U.S. began to lead drone strikes and began to take out prominent ISIS leaders. These were very successful. The campaign to defeat ISIS in Iraq took more than three years and about 25,000 airstrikes, including drone strikes, to complete. The road to defeat ISIS still had bumps, 
and is not finished. On October 29th, excuse me, October 27th, 2019, Trump announced in his television address at the White House that the world's number one terrorist leader is dead. ISIS is over. ISIS released an audio message four days later confirming the death of Baghdadi and announcing its new leader of Abu Ibrahim al-Hashamati al-Akwasi. Now, that's very important because if they have a new leader, then they are not dead. They are defeated, but they're not dead. We can take many lessons from ISIS and the Syrian conflicts. Extremists in Syria now have changed tactics. They are no longer the extremists that are killing people in cages or beheading them. They are focusing and limiting their targeted violence. And by doing this, they're not making it as widespread, but trying to limit it to certain pertinent individuals. They are carrying out soft power campaigns so they can win the hearts and minds of locals instead of threatening them and exerting their power. This includes children that they're targeting at a very young age to train and bring up to be more as an Islamic State. ISIS will try to implement more of the theatric social agenda going forward, and you'll see that in the soft power in trying to be a more caring group, they hope to gain more hearts. Now, in summary, we can look at this as ISIS has changed its tactics. They have learned from their mistakes. And going forward, they're going to still try to achieve their agenda, but to keep it more humanitarian. So in summary, the Western influence going in and changing Iraq upset a group of people. And these group of people lost their humanitarian aspect and tried to gain what they wanted through very inhumane acts and tactics. So the questions, will ISIS rise again? We're not sure. They're rising right now, but they are in a different state. They are trying it in a different tactic. And in humanitarian aid, what can we learn humanitarian-wise from this? First of all, when Isaac displaced um, the Christians and the people and they fled, there was nowhere for them to go. There was no help. Um, humanitarian-wise, we didn't offer them enough in their escape. Some died in the um, hills is what we were told. Some died trying to flee. Some had absolutely nowhere to go standing on the border. Um, they didn't have water. They didn't have food. They had no belongings. So from a humanitarian aspect, what could we have done? Was there anything we could have done? These are questions that I believe our government is still pondering. Christians in the area, another humanitarian. 
They fled based on a religion. Did churches here or elsewhere that were Christian-based offer any type of aid? And could they have done more to assist the government in helping? Another great question to ponder is ISIS now becoming globally known and are they being homegrown? Which is to say, are we seeing ISIS even on our shores here in the United States? And are they growing in numbers and in understanding? I would say yes. We have seen this shift in the past couple of years and I think it is growing more. I just don't think it's getting the recognition that it probably should. I also see where we are indoctrinating and allowing Islam and Islamic viewpoints in our education system while we are not allowing a Christian biblical understanding in our teachings. And you can see this such in public education. And how can we help countries going further, further without imposing too much of the Western understanding? How can we help them without making them feel like we're taking away what they were built on and what they believe is their roots? In America, our roots are very important to us. In Iraq, their roots were very important to them too. How can we get a government presence, offer them freedom and understanding without imposing too much of Western understanding on them so that they still feel like they have their roots? These are all great questions. The future of the region is very sketchy. Major factors and policies are going to challenge them and going to challenge their freedom, especially in Syria with the civil war. One thing that I can say for the area is that they have no biblical plurality understanding. Going forward, if they insist on only having Muslim or Islamic understandings, then Christians will always be a problem or opposed in the area. And that's something from a humanitarian understanding that churches are trying to change by sending people over to preach and spread the gospel. But if there is no biblical plurality, I'm not sure where the country or the region is going to go. They are very bedded in their understanding and their roots of Islam. Thank you so much and have a great day. Hello, this is Kim Merchita. This is podcast two involving Syria and ISIS. ISIS emerged from the remnants of Al-Qaeda in Iraq around 2004. This was following the U.S.-led invasion to topple Saddam Hussein's reign. ISIS at the time was led by Abu Musab al-Zakari. He became a critical force in the anti-American insurgency and sectarian war that began to unfold in 2004. ISIS was made up of locals. ISIS began to fizzle out rather quickly, only to resurface in 2011.
The growing instability and strife in Syria with its civil war allowed ISIS to grow and become even stronger. Some general information about Syria and ISIS was that Syria was a hotbed for any upcoming and rising actors of terrorism. Believing the Western influence was taking away from their Islamic roots of the region. The group implements Sharia law rooted in their 18th century Islam, and they wished to establish a society that mirrored their ancient past of Islam. ISIS is known for their public executions, crucifixions, beheadings, and acts of terror against any who oppose their teachings and their viewpoints. ISIS uses reactionary politics, which is to say they use extremes to oppose political change or to enact political change. ISIS uses this in trying to enact political change into becoming more Islamic state. In 2014, at the peak of ISIS, they controlled more than 34,000 square miles in Syria and in Iraq. This went from the Mediterranean all the way inland. At the time, ISIS had 3,500 people estimated as slaves. They took these slaves when they took over the 3,400 square miles. ISIS's revenue to get their guns, their supplies to fight Iraq and the U.S. and other countries came from the oil production in the area, smuggling, taking taxes, ransoms from their kidnappings, and they controlled the economy through food supplies and farming in the areas. The timeline of pertinent events, you could say, begins in about 2011, where their leader, Baghdadi, sends operatives to Syria. Abu Imam al-Juwali becomes the new leader of the Nusra Front in 2012. Now, the Nusra Front was a Syrian jihadist who now claimed to be ISIS. They were no longer known as Syrian jihadist or Nusra. In 2014, Iris kidnaps over 140 Kurdish schoolboys in Syria, gaining national attention. They force them to take lessons in radical Islamic theology, weaponry, and to become more an Islamic person or religion. In 2014, ISIS also takes control of Mosul and Tikrit and places over 1 million Iraqis. This becomes very important in the humanitarian understanding of what was going on. In 14, the Iraqi Kurdistan restricts border crossings into the region for refugees. This leads to ISIS announcing the creation of Caliphate, the Islamic State, the actual IS, 
that erases all state borders, which made Baghdadi the self-declared authority over the world's estimated 1.5 billion Muslims. ISIS also announces the change of its name from ISIS to the Islamic State, or ISIL. In 2014, the above led to, or excuse me, the previous led to the Pentagon announcing the United States will send an additional 300 troops to Iraq, raising the total U.S. forces in Iraq to nearly about 800 troops. Military advisors are sent to Iraq as well to support the Iraqi security forces and help protect the U.S. Embassy and the airports in Baghdad. The rest of 2014 is just filled with instances after instances of ISIS taking control and a reign of terror, so to say. In this time period, you saw beheadings, you saw James Foley, you saw Sothloff, David Haynes, Peter Kasich, all violently beheaded or killed while putting it on American media, as such as Facebook and things from ISIS. The U.S. Can, US during this time period also continues its strikes, its airstrikes, and beginning of its drone strikes. In 2015 to 2016, we see a continuation from ISIS with kidnappings, beheadings, they burned people in cages. Um, it was a very turmoilish, very deadly time period. Um, especially we saw the Americans and the Christians who became under attack. So Christians in the West were very against all Islamic um, teachings and that's who they felt were perpetrators the most and who they went after. The U.S. State Department issued an annual terrorism report at this time declaring that ISIS had become a greater threat than Al-Qaeda ever was. That's very important. The U.S. began to lead drone strikes and began to take out prominent ISIS leaders. These were very successful. The campaign to defeat ISIS in Iraq took more than three years and about 25,000 airstrikes, including drone strikes, to complete. The road to defeat ISIS still had bumps and is not finished. On October 29th, excuse me, October 27th, 2019, Trump announced in his television address at the White House that the world's number one terrorist leader is dead. ISIS is over. ISIS released an audio message four days later confirming the death of Baghdadi and announcing its new leader of Abu Ibrahim al-Hashamati al-Akwasi. Now, that's very important because if they have a new leader, then they are not dead. They are defeated, but they're not dead. We can take many lessons from ISIS and the Syrian conflicts. 
Extremists in Syria now have changed tactics. They are no longer the extremists that are killing people in cages or beheading them. They are focusing and limiting their targeted violence. And by doing this, they're not making it as widespread, but trying to limit it to certain pertinent individuals. They are carrying out soft power campaigns so they can win the hearts and minds of locals instead of threatening them and exerting their power. This includes children that they're targeting at a very young age to train and bring up to be more as an Islamic State. ISIS will try to implement more of the theatric social agenda going forward, and you'll see that in the soft power in trying to be a more caring group, they hope to gain more hearts. Now, in summary, we can look at this as ISIS has changed its tactics. They have learned from their mistakes and going forward, they're going to still try to achieve their agenda, but to keep it more humanitarian. So in summary, the Western influence going in and changing Iraq upset a group of people. And these group of people lost their humanitarian aspect and tried to gain what they wanted through very inhumane acts and tactics. So the questions, will ISIS rise again? We're not sure. They're rising right now, but they are in a different state. They are trying it in a different tactic. And in humanitarian aid, what can we learn humanitarian-wise from this? First of all, when Isaac displaced um, the Christians and the people and they fled, there was nowhere for them to go. There was no help. Um, humanitarian-wise, we didn't offer them enough in their escape. Some died in the um, hills is what we were told. Some died trying to flee. Some had absolutely nowhere to go standing on the border. Um, they didn't have water. They didn't have food. They had no belongings. So from a humanitarian aspect, what could we have done? Was there anything we could have done? These are questions that I believe our government is still pondering. Christians in the area, another humanitarian, they fled based on a religion. Did churches here or elsewhere that were Christian based offer any type of aid and could they have done more to assist the government in helping? Another great question to ponder is ISIS now becoming globally known and are they being homegrown? Which is to say, are we seeing ISIS even on our shores here in the United States? And are they growing in numbers and in understanding? I would say yes. We have seen this shift in the past couple of years and I think it is growing more. I just don't think it's getting the recognition that it probably should. I also see where we are indoctrinating 
and allowing Islam and Islamic viewpoints in our education system while we are not allowing a Christian biblical understanding in our teachings. And you can see this such in public education. And how can we help countries going further, further without imposing too much of the Western understanding? How can we help them without making them feel like we're taking away what they were built on and what they believe is their roots? In America, our roots are very important to us. In Iraq, their roots were very important to them too. How can we get a government presence, offer them freedom and understanding without imposing too much of Western understanding on them so that they still feel like they have their roots? These are all great questions. The future of the region is very sketchy. Major factors and policies are going to challenge them and going to challenge their freedom, especially in Syria with the civil war. One thing that I can say for the area is that they have no biblical plurality understanding. Going forward, if they insist on only having Muslim or Islamic understandings, then Christians will always be a problem or opposed in the area. And that's something from a humanitarian understanding that churches are trying to change by sending people over to preach and spread the gospel. But if there is no biblical plurality, I'm not sure where the country or the region is going to go. They are very bedded in their understanding and their roots of Islam. Thank you so much and have a great day.